Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Roxanne Dennett-Magrabi. She is Marketing Director at 3C Coast to Coast Cannabis. We're going to talk to her about the work they're doing in cannabis. Um, I'm always fascinated about people who are actually working with cannabis, really figuring out how to grow, how to process, how to really bring this stuff to market. It's always fascinating to hear the challenges, uh, you know, whether it's tax or banking or regulatory issues. You know, there's a lot of interesting kind of facets to this industry. So I'm excited to hear Roxanne's story, kind of understand how she got into cannabis, what she's learning, and hopefully share some insights for the rest of us. With that, Roxanne, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you, Bruce. I appreciate the lovely introduction and you taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. So before we get into Coast to Coast and and what you've been doing there, 
Give us a little bit of backstory. Like, what was your professional experience? How did cannabis come into play? How did you get to where you are today? Sure. So, cannabis has been one of the greatest loves of my life since my late teenage years. I'm in my mid 30s now. So, for a better part of half of my life, I have had a really deep relationship with the plant. Um, it started because I've always struggled with anxiety. And in high school, I had really debilitating anxiety. It was seriously affecting my grades. And I needed a way to manage it. And I was not in the department of wanting to take prescription pills. And so this was, you know, the, the plant lended herself to me and the medicine that, that she grows and that provides, it was just so life changing for me. And it was so profound in allowing me to get back to living quote unquote normally, um, (laughs) that I just knew I wanted to somehow, some way get into cannabis. And so I went to school for political science, did a lot of my undergraduate research on the reformation of cannabis laws and drug laws in America in general. My professors all hated me for it because they were like (laughs) another college kid writing a paper about cannabis. But I took a different angle on it and seemingly got away with very good grades. And um, from there, I went to New York City. I worked for multiple international companies, just wanting to get a better understanding of the real world and the business world. And knowing that I wanted to eventually get into cannabis, but cannabis, you know, at that time of getting out of college, it was 2005. It was still very early in its years of legalities. You know, it was only legal in in California under Prop 215 and um, SB420. So it was kind of like working my way to understand the real world, the imports, the exports, the taxes, all of that. And then my career brought me out to California and I finally saw the opportunity to jump in cannabis around 2015. My husband and I created an edible and we launched our edible into the market in 2015. He and I obviously have since both moved on from that. Well, I have obviously since moved on from that. He as well. And that's what brought me to 3C and Coast to Coast Cannabis. I'd been in the edible world for the last five and a half years, professionally in the cannabis industry for six years. And I was just so ready to get back to the plant. I just love this plant. And um, I was actually just in our grow rooms, just looking at one of the new strains we're growing and Googling over her purple, purple leaves and all of her trichomes. And I just find so much inspiration in the plant and the grow process itself that it's been an amazing experience for me to be with 3C and be able to have that like invigorating love for my job because not many people get to experience that in their lives. I consider myself very, very lucky. Yeah. I'm curious, just because you've had some significant professional experience outside cannabis, what have you been able to kind of transfer into cannabis? What have you not been able to transfer? Give us a sense of what are the differences you see in kind of other industries and the work that you've done there and cannabis and the work you're doing today? Sure. I mean, I think cannabis as every industry, you can take experiences from industry to industry. And there's always going to have its nuances, its changes, you know, the same, same, but different vibe. With cannabis, though, because we're so new and it's an industry that's just in its infancy, there's a lot initially that I tried to pull over in my corporate training that just didn't work. It, it <laughs> in the early days, like it just flat out did not work. People in the cannabis industry were not ready for that. They didn't know how to adjust to that. 
And I, you know, I can't hold it against the industry and the people that, you know, really this industry was built on their backs because they were dedicating themselves to the weed and to the plant and they were hiding in the dark for so many years. So they weren't having those corporate experiences like I was. And then I try and come in and I'm like, guys, we're going to do it like this and we can use this CRM system and we can use this tracking system. And they're all like, what's a CRM? Like, you know, and so it's, it's really interesting because I, I'm often called a unicorn in the space, which I don't really like to give myself those titles, but it, it, it paints a good picture because I am very culturally from the industry. I yeah. have been smoking weed. I definitely like sold it in college. I drove it across the United States. There are things that I did with cannabis that were very you know, culturally significant so that it's not just, I wasn't just someone coming in from, from the corporate industries and, and being very corporate and new and green in entering the green industry. I walked in and I had a very strong baseline foundation knowledge of not only like the plant, its strains, genetics, a little bit of how to grow, but also, you know, what the consumer really wanted. But I have a corporate background and I have this super strong love for the plant. Like I still smoke weed all day, every day. Like I love smoking weed. I love eating weed. I like, I love cannabis. And there's a lot of people that have stepped into the industry with similar backgrounds. They're like, oh, I can't smoke anymore. I don't smoke during the work day. And I'm like, really? I smoked a joint with my breakfast this morning. You didn't like, so there has, there are things that I can bring over and there are things that you can't. Some of the things that I have been able to bring over in recent days are from my foundation in marketing, which leads back to Red Bull North America. And I was lucky to work for Red Bull in my college days and went on to be on their managerial team in New York City for a few years. And Red Bull is the marketing beast of the universe, right? Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. And that beast taught me a lot of things that I really want to do in the cannabis industry that I can't do yet due to legalities, but that as soon as I can, it's game on. So that's like- Like what kind of stuff? I'm curious, like what, where do these regulatory issues kind of block you in terms of some of these strategies? So I think like, you know, with any, with the Red Bull mentality, right? Like the girls that are out in the cars and they're throwing out free cans of Red Bull. You can't do that with cannabis because if you give that to an 18 year old, well, you just broke the law because you can only give cannabis 21 to 21, right? So that there's a lot, of hoops to jump through as I'm sure you've talked to other people in the industry throughout your podcast of like just setbacks you know there are so much red tape regulations on how we can and can't market like in every state is different too so in certain states you can't put your brand on a t-shirt and sell your t-shirt. You can only have your t-shirts on, your branded t-shirts on staff working inside of the store. And it's just, you're you're sitting here going, but I'm a marketing person. Like I have to get a girl out there. Like, what do you mean I can't sell t-shirts with my brand on it? It's like, I can't use the letter W. <laughs> like, how, how am I supposed to communicate without the letter W? I mean, literally, it's like, okay, um, use the Hawaiian alphabet for your branding you know which is only 13 (laughs) letters like good fucking luck um and there you know even with social media i kind of like i hate to say this and i shouldn't really say it but 
Instagram. Like I love to hate it. I hate to love it. Yeah. It can be the bane of my existence some days because we'll get our followers nice and juicy and really big. We're got a 64,000 following right now and boom, the next day you wake up and Instagram shut you down. Why? Because yeah. you're on a platform that's all ages. So you as a cannabis company are seen as the big bad wolf still because you're going to sell weed to that seven year old that's on Instagram. And it's like, guys, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to run a business yeah. just like yeah. the taco shop down the street, just like the seltzer water company on the next scroll down, but there's so much that we can't do. And you know, it, it may sound like I'm complaining at first and it's not, it's really, <laughs> it's an explanation. Some days I get frustrated, but I really try and look at it as this is only making me better at my job. Yep. And only making my skill set more unique because I really have to think outside of the box as a marketing person. And I can't rely on everything that Red Bull taught me and that, you know, the liquor industry taught me before I jumped over here and the fashion industry taught me. I have to kind of take all of those teachings and then chop them up screw them and mold them back together with like, you know, duct tape, aluminum foil and zip ties and be like, does this work? Let's just try it and see what happens. So yeah. it does create a lot of fun, but it is certainly a challenge. And one thing I say to anybody looking to get into the cannabis industry professionally, you either have to be crazy or you have to really be obsessed with the plant and you have to love the plant so much in the mission of getting cannabis into every person's hands or else it's just going to frustrate you yeah, yeah. and push you out. So tell us a little bit more about Coast to Coast Cannabis. What What is your focus? Why, you know, why have you picked kind of the area of the industry that you have? How are you differentiating yourselves? Give us a little bit of insight. Sure. So Coast to Coast Cannabis, we are, we're, we're a big group actually. And we are in several parts of the industry more and not vertically integrated because we can't technically have that here in California, but more on the micro business side of things. So we are a large collective, not super large, but large enough in Los Angeles. We have two retail dispensaries. We have one up in Canoga Park and we have one that is opening in the downtown Los Angeles Arts District later this summer. We thank you very much. We grow 33 unique in-house strains um, that are under the, the brand 3C as well. We have been growing since 96, legal since 06. So we are a very, very long legacy brand in Los Angeles. I think that we grow the best OGs in LA and uh, you can fight me for that. Not really. <laughs> you can fight me with your words for that. because we I'm going to have to try them all to decide though. That's how I fight you. <laughs> I am happy to do that right alongside with you. We can have like a joint gauntlet. You let me know when you're in Los Angeles and we'll just go joint for joint for joint. I'm, for joint. I'm there regularly. We'll, we'll set it up. <laughs> Please. I would love that. But we, we are really true Los Angelinos and we are true OGs. And not only just because we're a legacy brand and legacy cultivators, when the OG, when the original cut of the OG was brought out from Florida back in the late 90s, our head cultivator and co-founder and co-CEO, Brian Schwartz, was the first person to get it in LA. So we've been growing an original cut of OG since the late 90s. And that has allowed us to really create a diverse portfolio of OG back crosses that you will not find anywhere else. And I... I mean, I love our, our cannabis so much. I've been smoking 3C ever since I started in the industry, and I've always looked to them as 
you know, just top shelf cream of the crop. Like that is always the jars that have been, you know, on my shelf as well. So to now have the opportunity to work inside of the organization and get their gospel out to the world and help them put together their brand identity and brand stories, it's really an honor for me. We are growing rapidly over here too. We had traditionally always just been cultivators, but this year we are releasing our first edible products, our first topical products, our first tincture line. So we're really building out a robust portfolio. So what does it mean, uh, you know, being being an, an OG focused company and an LA focused company? Like how w- w- culturally, I guess, how do you define yourselves, or how, how does how does that make you different or unique in the kind of broader California or overall cannabis industry? I think LA in itself has this kind of notoriety to it. No matter where you are in the world, it's Hollywood, it's Los Angeles, it's Venice Beach. It just has that, you know that vibe that New York City does as well, where it's like in in Chicago and Miami too, there's that definitive culture that's already built into the city. But I think as a cannabis company, like in the United States, cannabis was first legalized in 96 up in the Bay Area, but quickly, you know, started in Los Angeles as well. And people were growing in LA, in the warehouses, underground, in warehouses in downtown LA where no one would go. Things of that nature. And when you think to the culture of hip hop specifically and the culture of reggae and you start to talk about Sublime, Dr. Dre, some of these people that really define the music that we have listened to and that has defined you know, my generation, generation for me, it makes just that L.A. OG homegrown story so much more important because it we've been doing it for longer than everybody else has we've been doing it on a legal market than ever longer than anybody else has we've been growing for the rappers way before anybody else was so i think that it's it's one of the the la becomes that place where if you it's almost like the jay-z song you make it in new york and you can make it anywhere right you make yeah you grow weed in la you can you can grow weed anywhere i swear you grow weed in la you build your weed company here in la you can take it anywhere because we are looked at as the global center point we are the global capital of the cannabis industry and then on top of that We have Hollywood. We have the music industry. We have all of these things that attach themselves to us that help us put ourselves on further blast. So I think that for, you know, to just go back to the original question, it creates the storyline of we know weed and we know it well and we know it better than most people. And we're not scared to say that. And I'm curious that, you know, you're now branching out into the product lines. I mean, that's always, I find a a challenge for companies, you know, as a strategic coach, you know, working with folks, I'm always, you know, you got to focus, you got to focus, you got to differentiate, you know, but then, you know, when you start to expand, it's like, how, how do you maintain the kind of the purity and the focus of the strains that you're growing and kind of this culture around flower, you know, as you move into edibles, topicals, things like that, like, how do you keep the brand consistent? How do you keep the, the quality there? Like, how do you sort of maintain the focus yet diversify the product base? Right. That's a really good question. And there's a lot to unpack there. And I think that it's just, 
You know, a, a euphemism I use often is variety is the spice of life. And being a flower company for so long, we know weed and we know how to grow it and we know what our consumers like. New challenges as a business is to, you know, step into the edible tincture topical world, diversify our portfolio so that we can provide more to consumers that are brand loyalists to the 3C brands. It's interesting, though, you bring up how to keep things focused, because that for me on the marketing side, often like we can create 100 products, you know, that's great. We that's, you know, we can have 100 products and 100 SKUs sitting there ready. But then as a marketing director, it's up to me to give them the brand identities and the launch plans and the marketing campaigns to follow. And that's where so much of the work comes in. And if you're just throwing product after product after product, those might not get as much love as they need and as much focus as they need. So in joining the team last October, there were a number of these products that the guys had, you know, about 65, 85, 95% of the way done. And I was really diligent in setting up product launch guides and product launch calendars because it, there is, you know, there's an energy and an excitement in our industry for first mover advantages and for second mover advantages as well. And wanting to utilize time of, in the essence so that we can have that that big moment. And I'm speaking especially to one of our newest products that's launching called Liquid Joint. And it's a very disruptive product in the edible category because it's utilizing nanotechnology in a very small beverage. So it's in an actual food grade edible or food grade joint tube. And it looks just like a joint that you would buy to smoke, but inside is 20 milliliters of flavored purified water with 10 milligrams of nano emulsified THC. And the nano is really amazing because it allows consumers to feel the effects of the cannabis as soon as five to 10 minutes. You're not waiting for that extended onset period that can sometimes lead to a bad time because you eat more thinking it's not. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think everyone, everyone's had that one. (laughs) Oh, we've all been down that scary dark hole of a road, you know? And so with the nano, it shrinks the cannabinoids to be a hundred times thinner than a sheet of paper. And that allows your body's bioavailability to really absorb the cannabinoids at a much richer and more rapid absorption rate. So you're getting more cannabinoids faster. And that's great because A, you're getting more bang for your buck and B, you don't have to wait two hours to get to where you were trying to go. So liquid joint, you know, for, for us, it was like, get it out there. Let's get this going because this is so new. There's not a whole lot of companies. There's not a whole lot of brands. There's really only like two products that maybe we're competing with, but we still think we have that first mover advantage. So the focus, it's prioritizing your focuses. This is a first mover advantage. Time is of the essence. Other product lines that are in queue to launch, they are, they're lines that are already out there, but they have their own unique assets and they have their own unique spin. Because as you were saying, presenting this question as like a, as a coach, you always have to ask people that what's your unique value add? What are you bringing to the market? That's not already there. And that's how we start any conversation that we're having about a product that is going to come into our queue, even if it's for R and D, why 
who's already doing it, what are they doing wrong and what are they doing right? And, you know, what is our value add coming into that? And then you just have to look at your overall calendar and prioritize your projects and and, and where things are going to land. And I say this as it's so easy to do, like one, two, three, brush your teeth, say your ABCs, go to bed at night. It's not easy. It is not easy at all. And I am constantly looking through applications to help me simplify this process, you know, and there's great CRMs and project managements and app sheets and this and that, but it's, it is, it's a lot to manage. And so it it does definitely take somebody with a creative mind, but with also an organizational business mind, because if you don't have that, you're just going to get stuck with a bunch of products, 75% of the way to launching. But you know, not knowing how to get to that final stretch. Yeah, I'm curious with these new products, do you, is the strategy here to provide new products to existing customers or is this a chance to grow your customer base? Both. Absolutely both. It's a, it's a chance to give our consumers that come into our shops, you know, week after week that we have great relationships with that say, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm getting more into edibles. I wish you guys made edibles. I'm getting more into, you know, hash. I wish you guys made hash. Like if there's some of that, but then it's also to, you know, to reach out to more consumers because there are consumers in, in the space that only consume edibles, only consume flowers, only consume CBD tinctures. Like there are those only people. And so if you don't have a product in your portfolio to speak to those, you're missing out. There's dollars being left on the table. But if you don't have a robust enough company, if you don't have you know enough manufacturing space, the right team, the right equipment, the right investment, that's a very hard thing to achieve. And so 3C is, we are really, really well positioned and we have an extremely intelligent and very uniquely positioned team that is allowing us to add new product lines on and launch them pretty quickly as well. Yeah. And where do you see the trends going? I mean, as, as someone who's kind of out, out there looking at the market and, you know, what's selling, what do, what do customers want, consumers want? What have you noticed over the last year or two in terms of changes? I mean, we've obviously been going through COVID and, you know, that has changed kind of behavior patterns and people's lifestyles and stuff. But I guess what have you seen and what do you predict in terms of the types of products, you know, formats, you know, strains, uh, potency levels, things like that? What, what are you noticing? One big thing that's happening in the flower market that's really interesting to see is that there's a big push for more companies to be transparent about the prominent terpenes involved in your strains. Because as we are becoming smarter consumers and more educated on how the plant affects our bodies and works with our systems, we're realizing that the terpenes are extremely important. And some of us have known this, but I think the consumer is starting to recognize that you're not just trying to, you sh- or you're not, you shouldn't be. And I you can't really tell people how to fucking purchase, excuse my language, but like you can't tell people what they shouldn't, shouldn't do. But if you are listening to this as a consumer, it is better for you to look at terpenes rather than just saying, I'm looking for a THC percentage that's over 30% because it is a, it is a huge misconception, a common misconception, especially here in California, you will hear consumer after consumer, I only want to see the the THC content that's over 30%. And it's like, well, that's great. But if it doesn't have any terpenes, if it doesn't have a nose, if it doesn't have a taste, you're not even really going to get that high because the percentage of the cannabinoids, that ratio 
is dependent on the terpenes in there as well to really give you that entourage effect and that full spectrum, full body high. So if you're shopping for a cannabis brand or cannabis strain, just because it's got these huge THC numbers, but it doesn't smell like anything, you're likely going to be disappointed. So now we're starting to see more companies putting the top three terpenes on packaging, which I love. I think it's really interesting. My husband is in the terpene industry too. So it's a, a household conversation that we have very often. And I understand the science maybe a little bit more because of that. On the edible side, kind of going back to liquid joint, the beverage market is really growing. And it's a really interesting thing to see because Beverages in our normal life is a massive market, but in the cannabis world, it's kind of always been something that's like, yeah, I don't really want to drink my cannabis. And now it's like, yeah, I do want to do that. That is yeah. actually what I like to do. And I do like these new products that are coming out. And I think that it's been enough time that the cannabis consumer now understands I will get high off of this drink. This drink will give me the effects I need because prior, like two, three years ago, if it, you didn't make a gummy or a chocolate, the cannabis consumer was just like dumbfounded on how that was going to work. Like they, they just couldn't understand anything outside of those basic kind of like cookie. Is it a baked good, a chocolate bar, a gummy? If it's not, I don't understand how that's going to work for me. So I'm just going to buy what I know. Now I think the consumers are trusting us as the brands and the companies a little bit more when we bring these new products to market to try them, try them again, try them a third time and, you know, then evaluate because I think we do that normally in our other everyday product consuming lives. But in cannabis, sometimes I feel like consumers are like one and done and then their mind is made up, but they're yeah. learning just as we're learning. We're all learning. It's new. We're all new to this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps changing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have to learn again and again. And you just continue to learn. And I mean, the, the trends are always always changing and reshaping. And there's also a new, I don't know if this is necessarily like a product trend or anything like that, but I think it's, it's a trending conversation in our community. Um, speaking about why certain edibles affect people harder than others and why certain people have to consume thousands of milligrams to feel the effects of cannabis. And we're finding out that it might be an enzyme and that if you have this enzyme, you can feel the cannabis. And if you don't, you can't. And so that for me coming from the edible world is very interesting to have being developed because again, it's like, we're, we're at the forefront of this. We're trailblazing an industry. We don't know what, you know, we, there's still so much that we don't know. And I think that's really exciting that to be a part of an industry that's constantly learning and constantly discovering. It's not all like written in stone. It's not all already been figured out. You know, there's not yeah. that, that hardcore manual to this. And so I would say in, in terms of like top three trends, that's what's trending right now, in, in my opinion, and from what I hear in the industry and, and kind of the cannabis grapevine. Yeah. Yeah. Roxanne, this, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about 3C, what's the best way to get that information? Absolutely. Um, you can go to www.3cfarms.com. And we also have a website for our shops, which is www.coasttocoast.shop. You can also follow us on Instagram at 3c.world, at 3c.coast, and at 3 cthesecret 
Quick plug on the secret, we are currently in the midst of a treasure hunt and the winner gets $10,000 free cannabis products from 3C. If you find the buried crystal skull in Los Angeles, you win. So good luck. And you can find more about that on our website. Perfect. Perfect. It's, it's like, like a month's month worth, worth of cannabis, cannabis for many people. A month's worth? That's going to be a year's <laughs> worth for some. I mean, for people like you, obviously you and I, Bruce, that's going to be a month. But for some of the other people that are listening, that could be up to a year's worth, you know? So uh, it's a significant uh, amount. I can imagine. I'll make sure that all the links and the handles and everything are on the show notes so people can get that. I'm, I'm excited to participate. So Awesome. Very much so. And next time you're out in Los Angeles, please let me know. I would love to have you by. I'd love to show you our grow rooms and you know have you sample some of our amazing products so you can know firsthand what we're up to. Be careful what you offer. <laughs> I am very careful on what I offer, but the offer stands. Excellent. I'll take you up on it. Rexad, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bruce. I appreciate the opportunity. Great talking to you. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.